Well, it's good to be with you again this week. And we're continuing these studies into Mark chapter 4. And I know many of you might go, Oh, no, not another lesson on Mark chapter 4. And to be honest, I was kind of that way in the beginning of this because I'd heard so many messages over the years out of the source, so was the word. And to be honest, I guess I'd gotten to the point where I thought I I uh, had milked all of the nutrients out of that chapter. But uh, the Lord had... The Lord knew a lot of things that I didn't know, and He's still bringing forth things that I had never seen before. And I, I hope these lessons are a blessing to you. I know they're they're changing my life. They really are, and they're bringing us into the fullness of this revival. And uh, you know, put you in remembrance a little bit. A couple of years ago, the Lord just kept giving me this assignment of read Mark chapter, read the whole book of Mark. And so you know, Mark's a fairly short book. It's the shortest of the four Gospels, I think. And, so I okay, well I I read it and then praying and listening read it again. Okay, I read it. I didn't seem to get anything new out of it. Read it again. And read it again. <laughs> read it again. And this this is how Pastor Dave taught us many years ago how to assimilate the Bible is read the whole book. Equip your spirit for day and night meditation. And even when you're asleep, if you've got, if you've really got the whole image of the books in you, your spirit never sleeps and the Holy Spirit never sleeps. And I've learned that there is meditation even during the night when my mind is asleep, but my spirit is not. And I can't tell you the number of mornings when I wake up and it's like I'm late. The, cl- the, 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 the class has already started and I've got to get it, quickly get out of the bed and not wake Sue up and go somewhere where I can write or make notes or something because the, the lesson has already started. My, my mind is like come in a few minutes late and i gotta get, I got to catch up. Well, I kept reading the book of Mark uh, and I had already assimilated all of the books of the New Testament years ago. But this time, he just, he just wouldn't let me out of the book of Mark and I just kept reading it and I'd read it again. Didn't seem to get anything new out of it. But I was just being obedient. And I lost track after 30 times. I, at first, I was putting little hash marks on the front first page of the book of Mark. Well, after 30 times, I don't know how many times, about two years ago or so, that I read it and then read it again and read it again. Some days I'd read it several times during those long hours of prayer down at the church. But then started this season of harvest where things old and new are coming out. Things that not only out of the book of Mark, but teachings that he gave to me decades ago that I went as far as I could with them at the level of understanding I had at the time. Uh, Like, for example, last week we talked about the elm tree. I'm going to talk about it a little more today. Now, listen, today's lesson really builds on that one. And if you did not hear last week's lesson, um, I think the title on it was Automatic Change. If you didn't hear that one, if you have time at all, I really recommend you you pause this one, go back and listen to that one first, because it will really help you understand what we're talking about today. You know, Pastor Dave would tell us, uh, Revelation knowledge is line upon line, precept upon precept. It's kind of like this brick wall behind me. You've got to have each layer you can't have any big gaps in your wall because eventually there's going to be a roof on there. And uh, that's where the understanding really comes. And and so, you know, we need, we need it all. Well, okay, reviewing just a little bit from last week. Well, before I even do that, let's... The, I'm not going to read the whole parable again about the sower sows the word. You've probably heard that so many times that you could you could probably teach it yourself now. But I do want to focus in on the one of the parables that Jesus taught at the end of it. So, Mark chapter 4, if you want to follow along, verses 26 through 29. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. Let's, let's, this is how the kingdom of God works. If you want to have success, if you want to have be involved in the kingdom of God. You've got to know how it works. And he said, this is how it works. This, this is how it is so. So is the kingdom of God. It works like this. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now let's stop for a moment. He just got through teaching 
for many verses, the seed is the word of God, the ground is us, and more specifically our heart. It's more than our mind. The ground is your heart. Okay, we would we have more on that in a minute. But it's as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day. And so there's time involved. And the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. And I mentioned last week, mankind, with all of its modern technology and all of the scientific knowledge that we have today, mankind still doesn't know how. And I've read books where they, you know, uh, mankind has made great progress in technology on many things, but they cannot make, man cannot make from scratch a seed that will grow. They can make something that looks like a seed, like, like pick an apple seed. They can make something that looks like an apple seed. It has the same color as an ap- apple seed, the same size as an apple seed, the same weight as an apple seed. They can, everything that they know to do, they can produce, try to produce a seed like an apple seed. But when you plant it in the ground, it simply will not grow. Why? Because there's no life in it. Now today we're specifically going to talk about life. And specifically, the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. We'll get to that in a minute. But God's seed, and here he's talking about the word of God. The seed will spring and grow up. Why? Because there's life in it. And last week we looked at Hebrews where it says the word of God is quick and powerful. Well, quick means it's alive. Um, Again, I held up my Bible. It looks just like any other book. It looks like just, you know, ink on white paper. But this is not like any other book. The Word of God is alive. And it's powerful. The Greek word there is where we get our word energy. It's energetic. It's it's full of energy. The analogy, to me, a, a Bible sitting on my coffee table is very much like the big 100-pound sacks of corn seed I used to go load into the trucks to feed the horses with. And, you know, every one of those corn seeds has a potential. There's an image of a full stalk of corn in there. There's an image. There's life in it. If you plant it, it'll grow. But as long as it's just in the sack, it'll never grow because it's never been planted in the ground. Well, that's the way the Bible is, too. As long as you leave it in a book on the table... It, it'll not, there's it, the potential is there, but it has to germinate. It has it, it only becomes a living. It only the life is released. Let's say it that way. The life is released when it's planted in the ground. And remember, the ground is you. <laughs> the ground is your heart. Okay, coming back to that in a minute. This is review from last week. I really, if you didn't hear it, or if you only heard it once, <laughs> you might want to hear that one. So. Okay, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. Now, specifically today, verse 28, and really last week too. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, then after that the full corn in the ear. You notice how it says herself, not itself? That's not by accident. Nothing in the word of God is by accident. The word there is feminine in the Greek, the Greek language, the word for earth. It's feminine. Do you know what seed is? Seed is spora, which comes from sperma. Well, we all know what a male sperm... This is the same way conception takes place in any uh, animal group or even any flower group type. you got to have a seed and you got to have you got to have the male, you got to have the female. But the earth here is represented as like the female herself. And the word of God is the sperma (laughs) with the life in it. Okay, anyway. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. So there is a time, there is a planting time, there is a growth time, and there is a, let's say, a maturity time. But there's not a harvest until it comes to maturity. All right, now, a few things we've got to have as foundation from last week. Listen, last week we focused on verse 28. The earth bringeth forth fruit 
of herself. You know, this is not new. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, you're going to find that God said, Let the earth bring forth the grass and the herb and the fruit-bearing seed. Later it says, Let the earth bring forth the animals. This is not this is not new. God's word penetrated into the earth, and out of the earth came animals. Out of the waters came birds and fish. Now, I can't get too detailed there. I don't know a whole lot. I just know what it says. But today, let's focus on the earth. The earth, even all the way back to Genesis 1, he said, let the earth bring forth. Well, he hadn't changed that. Let the earth bring forth. The fruit, now notice this, the fruit did not come out of the seed. The image of the fruit was in the seed. But the fruit itself, what eventually became fruit, it originally was in the earth. The seed was the conversion mechanism that drew forth the substance from the ground. Now, Last week I illustrated this with the an elm tree, that I knew this elm tree's history from beginning to end. I'm not going to go through all of that again, but let me just read from my notes. It's one paragraph, better than me repeating all of last week. But it, it came to pass at O.R. Carpenter's pasture where the sun was working and other people. But a single seed fell into the ground. It was an elm seed. Every spring, I'd watch the wind blow and the seeds would go out across that pasture. And every now and then, one would get lodged in a spot and find earth and a little sprout would come up. And we'd, of course, when we'd mow that pasture to keep the weeds down and, and we'd just mow those little saplings down. But my dad decided he wanted a shade tree and he saw a little sapling right in the, right in the spot where he wanted it. So he had me build a little fence around it so we wouldn't mow it down. That little seed, over time, became an elm tree so big. I mean, it's, I don't know how many times taller than me, you know. And it was so big around, I, I myself, by myself, could not reach all the way around it and touch my fingers on the other side. You'd have to have a Gary and a half. <laughs> not, not two of me, but maybe about one and a half to even reach around that thing. And later on, we had a, a elm tree blight of some kind, a disease come through, and it killed that tree along with a bunch of other elms. And my dad had me cut that thing down with chainsaws and then split it all up into firewood with a 16-pound sledge and metal wedges. Took me days. And pickup loads, I don't even remember how many pickup loads, uh, to haul that away. And I remember thinking, this little thing, where, where did all this substance come from? Because I remember the little seed is, you know, it's tiny. There wasn't pickup loads of substance in that little seed. I knew somehow the, the substance came out of the ground. Now, this is all review from last week. The seed itself was small, but the image on the inside of that seed was huge, many times bigger than the seed itself. The seed contained the image of the tree, but not the tree itself. The ground contained the substance of the tree below ground before there was ever a tree above ground. All right, now we're starting into some new thoughts here now. The seed, whether it's the natural seed or the Word of God, the seed contains the image. The seed represents hope. See, there's an image in that seed that I can't see with my natural eye. But if I've ever grown corn, for example, if I've ever grown corn, I know what full-grown corn looks like, and I know what the image is inside that seed, but at that moment I've got a seed, but I don't have the stalk of corn. But the image, you know, an image, what is that? That's That has everything to do with what you see on the inside. I can't see the stalk of corn, but I know the image of that stalk of corn is on this is in this seed. See, the seed represents hope. You know our God is called the God of hope? Did you know every verse in the Bible is filled with the hope of God? Man, we could 
I could go right into the, the God of hope right here, just teach, teach, teach. But for today, let me say this sentence again now. The seed, whether it's a natural seed or the Word of God, the seed contains the image. That's why the seed represents hope. There's an image there. I don't have the, I don't have the stalk of corn, but I have the image. Okay. Right. The ground now. It has the substance of that elm tree in it. It's obvious that the it's obvious the substance came from the ground. It certainly didn't come out of that little bitty seed. The substance of the tree was in the ground. I'm going to say it another way. The substance of that tree was in the ground, under the ground, where it couldn't be seen. Before it was ever seen above the ground. Now the ground represents faith because that's where the substance is. Now think about this verse. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Now the seed is wonderful. God's word is always perfect. Okay? But now get this. The seed by itself, left on a shelf, left in a bag, left in a book, <laughs> on the coffee table, the seed, just even though it's the image is true and pure and perfect and is exact, and maybe just exactly what you need, the image is there. But by itself, you'll never have it. Because the substance is not in the seed. The seed, the substance is in the ground. Now what's the ground? Well, we know from Mark chapter 4, the ground is us. and More specifically, the ground is our heart. I'll give you a verse on that in a minute. Now see, in the parable of the sower sows the word, Jesus tells us plainly that the seed is the word of God and the ground is our heart, not our mind. He could have used the word for mind if he'd have wanted to. See, there's a big difference between heart, head knowledge and heart faith. Not really teaching on that today, but you'll see some of it anyway. But the ground is our heart. It's deeper than knowledge okay Luke's account now we've been studying this out of Mark 4 but Luke's account gives some detail just the way he says it is perfect for this lesson so just look at it real quick it's Luke chapter 8 and verse 15 where he I mean the Holy Spirit specifically through Luke left no doubt what the seed is and what the ground is so Luke 8.15 says but that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good what? Honest and good heart, having heard the word, now there it is, the word is the seed, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. The seed is the word of God and the ground is your heart. Now, I'm going to throw in this verse and really just half of the verse because we want to focus on say what I, what we're after is a revival of harvest. We're coming into a harvest time like it's not been seen since the book of Acts. We have uh, prophecies and the, through many many people the Lord has said many times this revival people are going to see things that have never been seen by the eyes of man ever. Well, that's some pretty big things. <laughs> the eyes of man have seen the Red Sea split. The eyes of man have seen Jesus walk on water. The eyes of man have seen the dead raised. The eyes of man have seen Peter walking down the street. And his, if he got sick people within shadow length, they'd get healed. I mean, if, and but the Lord says by his spirit through the different voices, many different voices, this revival is going to be so spectacular. The harvest is going to be such. We're going to see things that the eyes of men and that people, my eyes of mankind, have never seen. Oh my goodness. There's prophecy for that. That the I mean from the word of God that the latter 
house. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. Oh, my goodness. But see, Proverbs 23, 7, the reason I'm saying all that is this verse. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I remember one of the first times I ever read this 40 years ago. Think in his heart. And my first thought was, I don't think with my heart. (laughs) I think with my head. You know, I think with my mind, you know. Well, you do. But you also think with your heart. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'll give you a preview. You're expert at it. What? Well, you're an expert at thinking with your heart, because that's what worry is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. People will worry when there is no rational reason to worry. Have you ever heard of somebody having claustrophobia? And with the mind, they'll know that they're in an elevator and all these other people are in the elevator and nobody is scared, nobody's worried, nothing is happening. There's no reason to be afraid whatsoever. Your logic can tell you that. But if you're claustrophobic in your heart, you know, we're beyond rational now. (laughs) People can die. In confined spaces, I mean, it can have such a reaction in their body that their, their heart will start beating and they can have a heart attack and die. And there was no danger. There was no logical reason, no mental thinking. It's something they thought in their heart, something they perceived as true that really wasn't true. Well, that's what worry is. Worry is always looking at the worst. You know, that's just part of fallen nature. You know, to be honest with you, it's just... Always thinking the worst that would happen, you know. Well, worry is is thinking with your heart. But as a, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, so what Jesus is telling us, listen, you can change what's in your heart. You can re-sow your field with the Word of God. And you're going to see, And well, why would that work? Well, I, that's what this lesson is about today, all right? See, we all think with our heart. Worry is just one manifestation. Here's another way. Another way you can prove it. It's not hard to illustrate that all of us, there's a difference between thinking with your heart, because listen, as you think in your heart, not your head, as you think in your heart, so are you. Let's show a difference, okay? Is it easy to illustrate? Oh, yeah. New Year's resolutions is one easy way. You had a, a nice, rational thought. It's the beginning of the year. Oh, it's time to turn over a new leaf. I'm tired of all this extra weight, and I'm tired of being uh, out of shape, and I'm going to change my diet, and I'm going to lose whatever zamazama pounds, and I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to start exercising, and I'm going to be a lean, mean machine, you know. That's yeah, a nice mental decision, and, and I've read reports that uh, January, all of the fitness clubs look forward to January because that's when they get the most new memberships, you know. And people will go. I've, I've done this too. Everybody's done it in one degree or another. But you, you'll sign up and you'll go. And, and um, you know, instead of buying the, the cinnamon rolls this week, you buy the lettuce, you know. <laughs> and start eating rabbit food and getting on the treadmill and doing all of this stuff. And you might do pretty good for maybe a you know, month, maybe a month, maybe five weeks, maybe six weeks. Some people even make it two months. See, but that was all mental, good thinking. It's as you think in your mind. But see, eventually, who you really see yourself as being in your heart will eventually come forward. And most people, not everybody, but most people, after six weeks, eight weeks, uh, I don't need to go every day. Well, maybe just twice a week is enough. And then pretty soon you're not going at all. And the lettuce turns back into cinnamon rolls or whatever it is that tempts you, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts, whatever. And what happens is you revert back to how you really think in your heart, not your head. Now, I'm going to say it again. The Word of God is alive. Every promise of God has an image in it. It is so perfectly No wonder Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of God works. It so perfectly lines up with what we all know in the natural. Every natural seed is full of hope. If you have a seed of corn, within that seed of corn there's an image. Let me say it a different way. Within that seed of corn is the hope of a corn stalk with several ears on it. There's a hope. 
Because I don't see the stalk, do I? No. But I, I have an image. I have a hope. I, I, I know what it looks like, but I, I don't see it in the natural. Hope is something that's not seen. If a man sees it, then it's not hope anymore, right? <laughs> I didn't look that verse up. But Paul said that. Once, it, once you can see it, well, it's not hope anymore. But if you can't see it, but you want it, well, that's what hope is. And every seed is full of hope. It's got an image. Okay? Every seed is alive with hope. Every word of God has the image of God's promise for your life. When you get born again, I don't know if you know this yet. You should, but uh, I've known it, but I'm renewing it <laughs> in the light of Mark 4. See, did you know God replaced your your ground when you got born again? If the ground is a heart, if the ground is our heart, let me show you a promise from Ezekiel. Go all the way back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel was prophesying about the new birth. And, uh, of course, during the time of Ezekiel was a terrible time for Israel. They were under judgment and conquered and terrible. But he was prophesying not only deliverance for Israel, but he's really prophesying all the way to the new birth, what God's ultimate plan was. So look at Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Now notice, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. When you got born again, God recreated you, not in your mind, not in your body, but in your spirit. He recreated you in the very image of Christ. Here's that word image again. You received new ground. You actually became new ground. And He put a new heart, a new spirit on the inside of you. Well, what kind of spirit is that? What kind of ground is it? Well, the Bible calls it the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, this new heart, this you could call it the new man, the new creation that you are on the inside, is made in the very image of Christ. The Bible calls it the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Go, so you could look at Romans, excuse me, you could look at Romans 8 and verse 2. It says, For the law of the spirit of life. Oh boy, just let that, in Christ Jesus, let, but just let those words, spirit of life for today. The spirit of life. God, He took out your old ground. He replaced it with new ground. Let's say it another way. He took out that old stony heart. And he replaced it with the very heart of Christ. You are new. You've got a new field on the inside of you. You've got new ground. You remember the tree was, the substance of the tree was in the ground? Let me preview. The substance of everything you need is already in you. Because the kingdom of God is within you. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. The kingdom of God is within you. And I didn't know what that meant for years. But it means you've got a new ground on the inside of you. It's, it's, there's a new person. You, you, the real you is good ground. Now, it may, you may have had help from a lot of preachers putting a lot of thorns and stones in there. <laughs> you know, false doctrine. You may have had some disappointments in life. You may have had other things. Input from the world that's got your ground kind of messed up. But listen, thorns can be removed. Stones can be removed. Hard ground can be plowed. Rain can come. And every bit of you can become ground that produces substance that will manifest the hope in God's Word. I'm about to leave. I'm about to have a running fit. Come on. Don't fail me now. Stay here, Gary. <laughs> God, this is good stuff. If this doesn't spin your prop, I don't know what will. Oh my goodness, we are good ground. He has given us a whole new field. I can't teach on it today, but he told me one time, he said, Christ in you is the promised land. The Christ in you, none diminished, is my promise to you, but it must be possessed by faith. Oh, we'll get there. I don't know how long it'll take, but we'll get there. 
But for today, just think about it. He gave you a new heart. He gave you a new heart. This, this ground, this spirit, this heart on the inside of you. I, I'm going to say it this way now. When you got born again, you were born to believe. <laughs> oh, my God. You were born to believe. He, he gave you such ground that is so fertile. And it's already full. Just, again, I keep seeing the image of that tree over at the pasture. Listen to me. Listen to me. The substance of that tree was already in the ground. All it needed was the seed to be planted that interacted with that ground and brought the substance from the not seen realm to the seen realm. Good golly, if that's not perfect. <laughs> Woo! Okay, just a minute. <laughs> Whew, calm down. Calm down, Gary. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. It's <laughs> good stuff. For the, I gotta read it again. Romans eight two. Look, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, he gets a little much more specific even for, farther down in the in the uh, chapter. Come, go down same chapter, Romans eight. Look at verses nine and ten. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any, now, see, so you think Pastor Dave would say, Oh, yes, one day I was just really in the flesh. I was having a bad hair day, and I lost my temper, and I kicked the cat, and I spoke ugly to my kids, and, and whatever, you know, I lost my temper at my job. I was just in the flesh that day. That is not what Romans 8 is talking about. Romans 8 is talking about you were, you were a flesh creature. You were born of Adam. You had a sin nature on the inside. Now you have been born again, and you are born of Christ. Because right here it says, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, and you might go, well, I hope he does. Well, now listen. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And Pastor Dave would, right here, he'd go, all right now, I'm asking you straight, raise your hand. Have you been born again? then the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Because if, he, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. And He'd, he'd just lead us through that. Over Now, are you born again? Yes. You've been saved? Yes. But then you have the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you. So verse 10 then, once, you, once you're convinced of that, all right, I have the Spirit of Christ on the inside of me. It's not... It's, Dave would say it's not his personal spirit, but it's of him. It's in the same way that you didn't have Adam's personal spirit, but you were born of Adam. You had his nature. When you're, Christ is our Adam. He's called the last Adam. When you get born again, you have his nature. Spirit which is of him. And if Christ be in you, now the body is dead because of sin, but now notice, the spirit is life because of righteousness. God put new ground on the inside of you. Now get this. That ground already has in it, below, not seen, but that ground already has in it everything you will ever need. Because the finished work of Christ paid for it all. Your healing is in that ground. Your deliverance is in that ground. Your freedom is in that ground. Your anointing is in that ground. Your calling is in that ground. Everything is already there. That's why Jesus said, don't go looking for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in you. When I think about this, now I'm going to just take a healing, just, just healing for a moment. Just Let's meditate for a minute. All right, let's say Gary needs a healing. All right? And for years and years, I, I, uh, this has been a long process of re renewing the mind to understand. You talk about, and I don't mean to disparage anybody, but I had a lot of help not believing the Word of God. <laughs> Growing up, you know, they would tell us, that, well, God can heal, but you just never know what His will is. And every time they'd pray for anybody, you know, bless their darling hearts, they'd, they'd say, now we're praying for Uncle Joe, and we pray that you heal Uncle Joe, if, it's, if it be your will. 
Well, if you don't know if it's his will, there's no faith involved in that prayer at all. No wonder Uncle Joe never got healed or anybody else he ever prayed for. If they did get healed, it was absolutely just the mercy of God. I mean, just a random shot, practically. I had a lot of help disbelieving, not believing the Word of God. But thank God for Pastor Dave Roberson. Thank God for teaching us how to meditate the Word of God in whole images. Thank God for the teaching of the Holy Spirit being the one who guides us into all truth. Thank God for learning that he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. No man understands him. How be it? Or this is how it be. In the Spirit, he's speaking mysteries. And Dave would say, now, how many of you think when you're praying in tongues, you are explaining mysteries to God? <laughs> and we go, oh, no. no, no, no. God is explaining mysteries to you. And big part of those mysteries was what Paul called. Paul said, I have become a steward of the mysteries of God. The carnal mind does not understand these things. You can't teach them to the natural mind. They're foolishness to the natural mind. But they're not foolishness to that new creature on the inside of you. They're not, they're not foolishness to the new man. And that's, that's who's being taught when you're praying in other tongues. See, really, the Word of God is not written to your natural mind. The reason we have, if, uh, well, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons that we have so many denominations with different... I've got one Bible and all these different denominations. Man trying to figure out what it means with the natural mind. And the Bible plainly says that can't be done. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches you the truth about the Word of God. These things are spiritually discerned. The mysteries are spiritually discerned, not mentally. Anyway, that's a whole other teaching. And, but getting back, getting back to this now, I want you to get it for today's lesson. You are good ground. The sentence I have here is, there is good ground in you. Well, that's okay. You can. I want you to visualize your heart as being good ground. There is good ground in you, but really, it's more than that. You, the real you, the born-again you, the child of God you, you are good ground. See, well, no, I'm deceit. You know, I can hear that. I can just hear it that I heard from the pulpits. The heart is desperately wicked, you know. It, the heart, it, that's a quote from the Old Testament, but he's talking about sons of Adam. He's talking about the people before they could be born again. Your heart, your heart, if you're born again, is not desperately wicked. Your heart is, he put a new heart in you. And it's the very Spirit of Christ, the real you, the born-again you, the child of God, you is not desperately wicked. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Of course you can sin. We all can sin because we're all still wearing flesh bodies and we're all still dealing with partially renewed minds, you know. Part of my mind, when people does, does bad to me, part of my mind wants to get even. But the real me thinks, no, you overcome evil with good. I go, what? <laughs> well, what have I been renewed to? Am I still still thinking, I'll get even with you? Well, that's that's flesh thinking. It's not really the old man. It's flesh thinking. Carnal thinking, what the Bible says. But the real me says, no, you overcome evil with good. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him to drink. You know? Anyway. That's not the lesson either. You are good ground. Now, wrong doctrine and circumstances of life and input from the world over a lifetime causes wrong thinking. And I mean wrong thinking at the heart level to be such that it's hard for you to reap a harvest from God's Word. Uh Oh gosh, I could, there's so many lessons from my own life. I just, I'll just take poverty as one. Uh, they didn't mean to do it, I don't think, but I really was raised in church um, with a, pretty much a poverty doctrine. They even had a little joke. And it's funny, the different churches, of because we moved every six months, you know, I was in a different, I don't want to, you know, it doesn't matter which denomination, but I we was the same denomination every town we went to, Ardmore, Chickasha, Duncan, Atoka, Texarkana, Rudoso, New Mexico, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, uh, Norman, all these different places where we live. We always, my parents always found a good church. Well, they found a church, but it's always the same denomination. 
you know, and that denomination puts out a quarterly that they're all teaching the same things. And they even had a little motto, you know, like talking about their pastor, you know, God, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor, you know. <laughs> and they kind of laughed about that, but they were only, they were pretty, you know, serious about it too. I don't know if it's still that way today, but that, I'm just telling you that's how I grew up. I just had this understanding from the what what I was taught that you couldn't really have much and have God. And and so, boy, you talk about I didn't realize how strong that was. And when Sue and I really got uh, established and, and God called us into ministry and money was staying away in great abundance, and I, 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 I know the difference, to some degree at least, between head knowledge and heart knowledge because I knew verses. I could quote you verses about promises of God, images, can I say images, that talked about prosperity, but it didn't change our life. And and we were just, I mean, we weren't even really making it at first. We got behind on our bills. I hate to admit that, but it's, I mean, our testimony's already out there. Uh, we never had, the only thing that ever got shut off was our telephone one time because we were too far behind on it, and then somebody found out and paid it up. And uh, we, we got behind, you know, you'd, You'd pay the electric bill this month and the gas bill next month. <laughs> it went on for a few months. Money, I should say, money was staying away in great abundance, you know. And I didn't know how to get out of that. And I didn't know much about hope in those days at all. I didn't know much about image. So it took a lot longer than it should have because I did get this instruction from God. And he, he told me that he didn't pick the verses for me, but he told me to pick three verses that had prosperity in them. And he told me, now I'm not telling you to do this, I'm just I'm trying to give an example of renewing the mind or re-sowing the ground, either way you want to say it. So he said, get, take these three verses, he'd let me pick them, and I want you to say them four hours a day. Just say them out loud. Sound, that's, it's not hard to understand that instruction, take three verses, you know, say them out loud four hours, uh-huh. Till you try and do it. I still remember the verses. Psalms thirty four ten. The young li- these I picked them, but the young lions do hunger and suffer lack, but those that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Well we were lacking everything. <laughs> we were we were behind on everything. We'd we'd sit there and believe God at dinner time, you know, and somebody'd ring the doorbell and here comes somebody with a Kentucky fried chicken or something, you know. It, it was amazing. I got great stories. Uh, I always say I I wouldn't take for everything that I learned during that season, but I hope to God I never have to learn those lessons again. <laughs> that one time be enough. But he's trying to trying to re-sow my field with the Word of God at a heart level, not just at a head level. It doesn't take very long to memorize three verses in your mind. That does not mean there's like a crop growing in your heart. That was said pretty well right there. Crop, harvest, growing in your heart. One of them was, I know the Second Corinthians 8, 9, For I know the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor, that I, through his poverty, might be rich. And Philippians four nineteen, For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't take very long, and especially then. I was 30 years, 40, I don't know, a long time ago. 30 years younger, maybe. And uh, my you know, mind was even quicker then. And uh, it doesn't take very long to memorize those three verses, to have them in your head. Doesn't take. I mean, after the first few hours, you you've got that done. Okay, that's not what he said. He didn't say memorize them. He said say them. Four hours a day. I I kept getting beat out of that. I would start it. I had them written out on little index cards that I carried in my shirt pocket, and I'd start it. And the devil would just my, well, or my own mind, my logic would just beat me out of it. This isn't doing anything. You're just speaking into the air. Do you think now you'll be heard for your much speaking? I mean, the devil will use verses against you, you know? And this is crazy. This isn't producing anything, you know? You just need to go get alone. You need to get back. Because we had gone full time at the direction of the Lord, and I, the big temptation was to stop that and go back, you know, to uh, part-time. And that's not what the Lord said. Okay. Anyway, I'm trying to get too much, I think, into one thing. I'm trying to show you, though, believing in the heart is different than knowledge in the mind. 
I'm telling you, within the first hour or two, I had those verses memorized. My mind had them. But that wasn't enough to change our harvest. That said pretty good. That wasn't enough. So four hours. I remember when I finally made it. I got beat out of that so many times. I wish I had kept record of how many times I tried to do that for four hours. And the, can I say, ridiculousness of it just beat me out of it. And I'd quit. But our situation just kept getting worse and worse. And finally, you know, I said, I'd like to tell you my great faith. My great faith is what caused me to do it. No. It's like our circumstances got so bad that I was standing at the edge of a giant cliff looking down into the abyss of bankruptcy <laughs> and total ruin. My my feet are like, my, my the, the, the front half of my shoes are like hanging out over that precipice and there's just nothing else to do. I've come to the end of every natural thing I can think of. There's no way for Gary to fix this. We're too far behind on everything. There's just There wasn't anything else to do. I said, I might as well do what God said. See, I'd, I'd like to tell you it was my great faith, but really, I just came to the end. There wasn't anything else to do. And I still remember that first day. I typed it, you know. Kenneth Hagin says, you need to watch and pray. So, <laughs> four hours. He said, four hours. All right. I still remember that first day. Oh, thank God I made it. And I still felt like an idiot, felt like a fool. Uh, there wasn't any uh, glory cloud filled the room. I didn't hear Gabriel's trumpet, didn't feel the brush of an angel wing across my cheek or nothing. Nothing changed. And seeing our circumstances didn't change. Boy, that's when the voice will come. See, I told you, there's nothing to this. You need to give this up. This is stupid. You didn't hear God in the first place. And I, on and on and on it goes, you know. So what'd you do about it? Well, I just did it again the next day. And nothing changed. And I did it again the next day. And nothing changed. What I mean is nothing outside changed. It's just exactly like when that elm seed finally went into the ground. And for a long time, it doesn't look like anything changed. Because if you've ever seen plants, you know, seen one of those time-lapse things where they're showing like a bean being planted in the ground at first, the little roots are going down. Everything is happening underground at first. And that's the way it was. So here I'm, I'm sowing the Word of God into my heart. I'm sowing it into my heart. But above ground, there's no change. Nothing changed. But I didn't know that in the realm of the Spirit, in the, can I say the realm of the unseen, can I say in the realm of my heart, things were changing. The life that's in God's Word was being released in my spirit. I just didn't know it yet. This kept on, kept on, kept on. Finally, I got to where I'm just, I'm just numb now to the voice of the enemy telling me to quit. And I was doing it every day, every day, every day. I'd like to tell you that after three days, things changed, but they didn't. I'd like to tell you after one week, things changed, but they didn't. Now, let me preface, let me say this. Had I known how to incorporate hope, and I'm going to change that a little for the weeks coming. Listen, hope has everything to do with what you see. Hope has everything to do with your imagination. Had I known how to employ godly hope with my speaking, that time period would have been greatly reduced. We'll talk about that another day. But I didn't know that then. All I knew is what he said. He said, say them four hours a day. So I'm, I'm basically beating unbelief to death with the word of God. <laughs> That's the way I look at it now. Die, 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 unbelief. <laughs> anyway. Well, God's word is a hammer. Remember that? He said, my word is like a hammer. As <laughs> I hammered unbelief to death. <laughs> it took quite a while. But I still remember the day. Now, nothing on the outside has changed. But something deeper than my mind. I've been doing it for weeks and weeks. I think a, a, a few months, to be honest with you. And things just kept getting worse on the outside. We were behind on everything. Looked awful. But I remember the day something on the inside of Gary changed forever. And still, the best way to describe what it's like, it wasn't exactly goosebumps. It wasn't exactly emotions. When I try and explain what it was like, it's like I had been living in one room and suddenly I stepped through a door into a different room. 
something changed on the inside of me. When I got home that day, and as we kept our bills on a table, a certain spot, we had a stack of unpaid bills, if you can see my hands, literally about that tall, just laying there. And when I walked in, I walked right over to them, and I pointed at those bills, and I said, I don't live there anymore. I don't live there anymore. Now, nothing in the natural had changed. But let me tell you, looking back on it now, that day marked the bottom of our roller coaster ride. And things did begin to change in the natural. We wound up getting current on all of our bills. So many things that I could t- tell you about. But it, the harvest, harvest time had begun. The change first had to happen on the inside of me. I am the ground. <laughs> the resources was always there in Christ Jesus. But it, the Word of God had to be sown and sown till it finally penetrated into the good ground, I guess is how you'd put it. Finally got past my stinking thinking. And heart, somebody said, and hardening of the attitudes. <laughs> anyway, the, the roots got down past there into the good ground. And things, the change first happened on the inside, but then the change began to happen on the outside. And that was years and years ago. And we've not missed a bill in a long time. I mean, he's taking good care. Can you tell by looking, I'm, I haven't starved to death. And I, wear, I got nice clothes, you know, and he's taking good care of us. We've, you know, what's that old deal? There's a chicken in the pot and gas in the car and life is good, you know. <laughs> so, And he is good. He is good. Now, a few more things on today's lesson. You are the good ground. God gave you the new ground when you got born again. He gave you a new spirit. He said he put a new heart on the inside of you. Remember how Luke said that? I want to quote Luke again. Luke 8.15 But that on the good ground are they, which that's you now, which in an honest and a good heart, that's the heart he gave you. It's free by grace, but he gave you a good heart that will produce having heard the word and keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Well, that's who you are. Christ in you... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I heard... Go ahead with the lesson. (laughs) So let me read this paragraph. There is... You are good ground. Wrong doctrine that produces wrong thinking may have been keeping you up to this point from reaping much of a harvest from that ground. But see, those things can be removed. And then, you know, what I mean is false doctrine, false experience, you know, things that's happened that seem to go opposite to the Word of God. There's so many things. But you can re-sow that good ground with the Word of God. And as you do that, as you, I like to, I see it as like, re, see, listen, all my relatives, were, most of them were farmers, and we had a few that weren't, but the vast majority on both sides were farmers. And I've seen them, They'd go out. They're going to to expand their fields, you know. Well, would they decide to expand their their field for harvest? There's trees in the way out there. There's boulders in the way that's got to be moved. I mean, there's work. There's work. You got to get the rocks out. You've got to get those thorny bushes out of there. Sometimes trees have to be cut down and removed. And in the ground, it's never been plowed. It's got to be plowed. Okay. But see, once that work is done. And you re-sow, you sow that field with the seed of harvest that you want. Now you've increased your harvest. And what he's telling us, I don't care where your walk is with God, there's a lot more harvest than we've been walking in. A lot more harvest. Now, okay, I better stop right there now. For, for now. More and more, you're going to be reclaiming that good ground that's already in you. Now think about this for a minute. See, we're talking about the, the life I don't know if I'm conveying to you that that this spirit of life in Christ Jesus, this new life that's in you. Can I say Christ in you? It's like the ground. Everything that you'll ever need is already in you. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. 
Because when God put that new spirit in you, that new heart in you, that's the very spirit of Christ. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, now it's not his own spirit, but the spirit which is of Christ. If you don't have that, you're none of his, but you're his. And you do have that. And like the natural ground already had all the resources in it to produce a tree, this new ground has everything in it to produce anything that you'd ever need in life, either for your own life or for your ministry calling. Whatever it is, it's already there. But the Word of God is what brings it forward. And all that thinking gave me a whole new understanding of John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But now listen. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus I am come that they might have life. As the Father had life in himself, he gave for the Son to have that life in himself. And the Son gives it to whom he will. We are one to whom he will when you got born again. The Son gave you that same life on the inside of you. You've got the life. Say it another way. All of the resources are already there. Everything you're ever going to need. You are the ground. The Word of God is the seed. But the substance is in that spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The substance is in that ground, that new heart that he gave you. It's already there. You mean my healing's already in me? That's what it says. I know. (laughs) Me too. But that's what it says. Let me read this paragraph to you. I can't improve on it. The substance of everything you will ever need is in that spirit of life that God put on the inside of you. The good ground is already in you. And I'm going to go one step further. The good ground is you. That it's the reborn you. Through proper teaching and repentance of things, stones and thorns can be removed. Hard ground can be plowed up. Dry ground can have the rain come. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Praying in the Holy Ghost. A lot of things we could say there. Through the planting of God's word in the good ground, That's the law of the spirit of life that's in you. That new nature, that new spirit, that new you. You are the ground. But it's of Christ. The substance of what you've been hoping for can be produced from the kingdom within you too. And again, Luke 17, 21, just the last last part of it. The kingdom, Jesus' words, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. The kingdom of God is within you. So is the kingdom of God. Well, how does that work? How do I get what's in me out here? The kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. I hope you're seeing this. I hope you're seeing it. The kingdom of God is within you because the Spirit of Christ is in you. You are good ground. Good ground is in you. There are unlimited harvests available to you that are just waiting for the sowing of God's work. I'm just preaching real good now. I'm just preaching real good. (laughs) I'm going to read that sentence again. There are unlimited harvests already waiting inside of you. They're just waiting for the sowing of the Word of God to come to full harvest. Now it starts off, all of us start off, we need, it's all about us in the beginning. (laughs) We need salvation. We need deliverance. We need healing. Uh, We need a little money, Lord. We need some prosperity. We need this and we need that. It's all about us like little kids, you know. It's all about, when kids are little, you know, it's my toys, you know. (laughs) It's all about me. It's all about me. A friend of mine got wrote a song. It's all about me. It's not about you. It's all about me. <laughs> well, we're all we all start off like little children, pretty much like that. But see, what's what's coming now? We're dealing with some maturity because what we're after now is not just harvest for us. We're after harvest for the kingdom of God, and that's what this revival is all about. You mature into a serving son, not a selfish son. You mature into just like Christ. He says, I I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. 
And that's the mature maturity growing up in us also. I could just keep going, but I better stop. My hour's up. Love you guys so much. I hope you're getting excited. I, can you tell? <laughs> it gets me going. I'm so excited about what's coming. Our eyes are going to see things that have never been seen by man. Golly, I'm looking forward to what's coming. Love you much. See you next time. Bye-bye.